Section 21 of the Aeneid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Aeneid by Virgil, translated by J. W. McHale. Book 11th, The Council of the Latins and the Life and Death of Camilla, Part 1. Meanwhile, dawn arose forth of ocean. Aeneas, though the charge presses to give a space for burial of his comrades, and his mind is in the tumult of death, began to pay the gods his vows of victory with the breaking of the east. He plants on a mound a mighty oak with boughs lopped away on every hand, and arrays it in the gleaming arms stripped from Mesenteus the captain, a trophy to thee, mighty lord of war. He fixes on it the plumes dripping with blood, the broken spears, and the corslet struck and pierced in twelve places. He ties the shield of brass on his left hand, and hangs from his neck the ivory sword. Then among his joyous comrades, for all the throng of his captains girt him close about, he begins in these words of cheer. The greatest deed is done, O men, be all fear gone for what remains. These are the spoils of a haughty king, the first fruits won from him. My hands have sent Mesenteus here. Now our way lies to the walls of the Latin king. Prepare your arms and courage, and let your hopes anticipate the war. Let no ignorant delay hinder, or tardy thoughts of fear keep us back, so soon as heaven grant us to pluck up the standards and lead our army from the camp. Meanwhile let us commit to earth the unburied bodies of our comrades, since deep in Asheron this honor is left alone. Go, says he, grace with the last gifts those noble souls whose blood won us this land of ours and first let pallas be sent to evander's morning city he whose valor failed not when the day of darkness took him and the bitter wave of death so speaks he weeping and retraces his steps to the door where aged acodes watched pallas's lifeless body laid out for burial once armor-bearer to evander in parhasia but now gone forth with darker omens appointed attendant to his darling foster-child around is the whole train of servants with a crowd of trojans and the ilian woman with hair unbound in mourning after their fashion when aeneas entered at the high doorway they beat their breasts and raise a loud wail aloft and the palace moans to their grievous lamentation himself when he saw the pillowed head and fair face of pallas and on his smooth breast the gaping wound of the ausonian spearhead speaks thus with welling tears did fortune in her joyous coming he cries o luckless boy grudge thee the sight of our realm and a triumphal entry to thy father's dwelling not this promise of thee had i given to evander thy sire at my departure when he embraced me as i went and bade me speed to a wide empire and yet warned me in fear that the men were valiant the people obstinate in battle and now he fast ensnared by empty hope perchance offers vows and heaps gifts on his altars we a mourning train go in hollow honour by his corpse who now owes no more to aught in heaven unhappy thou wilt see thy son cruelly slain is this our triumphal return awaited is this my strong assurance ah me what a shield is lost mine iulius to Asonia and to thee this lament done he bids raise the piteous body and sends a thousand men chosen from all his army for the last honor of escort to mingle in the father's tears a small comfort and a great sorrow yet the unhappy parents do others quickly plate a soft wicker bier of arbutus rods and oak shoots and shadow the heaped pillows with a leafy covering 
here they lay him high on their rustic strewing even as some tender violet or drooping hyacinth blossom plucked by a maiden's finger whose sheen and whose grace is not yet departed but no more does earth the mother feed it or lend it strength then aeneas bore forth two purple garments stiff with gold that sidonian dido's own hands happy over their work had once wrought for him and shot the warp with delicate gold one of these he sadly folds round him a last honour and veils in its covering the tresses destined to the fire and heaps up beside many a laurentine battle prize and bids his spoils pass forth in long train with them the horses and arms whereof he had stripped the enemy and those with hands tied behind their back whom he would send as nether offering to his ghost and sprinkle the blood of their slaying on the flame also he bids his captains carry stems dressed in the armor of the foe and fix on them the hostile names unhappy acodes is led along outworn with age he smites his breast and rends his face and flings himself forward all along the ground likewise they lead forth the chariot bathed in rutulian blood behind goes weeping aethon the war-horse his trappings laid away and big drops wet his face others bear his spear and helmet for all else is turnus's prize then follow in mourning array the teucrians and all the Tyrrhenians and the arcadians with arms reversed when the whole long escorting file had taken its way aeneas stopped and sighing deep pursued thus once again war's dreadful destiny calls us hence to other tears hail thou for evermore o princely palace and for evermore farewell and without more words he bent his way to the high walls and advanced towards his camp and now envoys were there from the latin city with wreathed boughs of olive praying him of his grace to restore the dead that lay strewn by the sword over the plain and let them go to their earthly grave no war lasts with men conquered and bereft of breath let this indulgence be given to men once called friends and fathers of their brides to them aeneas grants leave in kind and courteous wise spurning not their prayer and goes on in these words what spite of fortune o latins hath entangled you in the toils of war and made you fly our friendship plead you for peace to the lifeless bodies that the battle lot hath slain i would fain grant it even to the living neither have i come but because destiny had given me this place to dwell in nor wage i war with your people your king it is who hath broken our covenant and preferred to trust himself to turnus's arms fitter it were that turnus had faced death to-day if he will fight out the war and expel the Tucrians, it had been well to meet me here in arms so had he lived to whom life were granted of heaven or his own right hand now go and kindle the fire beneath your hapless countrymen aeneas ended they stood dumb and silent with faces bent steadfastly in mutual gaze then aged drankes ever young turnus's assailant in hatred and accusation with the words of his mouth thus answers him again o trojan great in renown yet greater in arms with what praises may i extol thy divine goodness shall thy righteousness first wake my wonder or thy toils in war we indeed will gratefully carry these words to our father's city and if fortune grant away will make thee at one with king latinus let turnus seek his own alliances nay it will be our delight to rear the massy walls of destiny and stoop our shoulders under the stones of troy he ended thus and all with one voice murmured assent twelve days truce is struck 
and in meditation of the peace trucreans and latins stray mingling unharmed on the forest heights the tall ash echoes to the axis strokes they overturn pines that soar into the sky and busily cleave oaken logs and scented cedar with wedges and drag mountain ashes on their groaning wagons and now flying rumor harbinger of the heavy woe fills evander and evander's house and city with the same voice that but now told a palace victorious over latium the arcadians stream to the gates snatching funeral torches after their ancient use the road gleams with the long line of flame and parts the fields with a broad pathway of light the arriving crowd of phrygians meets them and mingles in mourning array when the matrons saw all the train approach their dwellings they kindle the town with loud wailing but no force may withhold evander he comes amid them the bier is set down he flings himself on pallas and clasps him with tears and sighs and scarcely at last does grief leave his voice's utterance free other than this o pallas was thy promise to thy father that thou wouldst not plunge recklessly into the fury of battle i knew well how strong was the fresh pride of arms and the sweetness of honor in a first battle ah unhappy first fruits of his youth and bitter prelude of the war upon our borders ah vows and prayers of mine that no god heard and thou pure crown of wifehood happy that thou art dead and not spared for this sorrow but i have outgone my destiny in living to stay here the survivor of my child would i had followed the allied arms of troy to be overwhelmed by rutilian weapons would my life have been given and i and not my palace were borne home in this procession i would not blame you o teucrians nor our treaty and the friendly hands we clasped our old age had that appointed debt to pay yet if untimely death awaited my son it will be good to think he fell leading the teucrians into latium and slew his volscian thousands before he fell nay no other funeral than this would i deem thy due my palace than good aeneas does than the mighty phrygians than the tyrrhene captains and all the army of tyrrhena great are the trophies they bring on whom thine hand deals death thou also turnus wert standing now a great trunk dressed in arms had his age and his strength of years equalled thine but why unhappy do i delay the trojan arms go and forget not to carry this message to your king thine hand it is that keeps me lingering in a life that is hateful since pallas fell and turnus is the debt thou seest son and father claim for thy virtue and thy fortune this scope alone is left i ask not joy in life i may not but to carry this to my son deep in the underworld meanwhile dawn had raised her gracious light on weary men bringing back task and toil now lord aeneas how tarshan have built the pyres on the winding shore hither in ancestral fashion hath each borne the bodies of his kin the dark fire is lit beneath and the vapour hides high heaven in gloom thrice girt in glittering arms they have marched about the blazing piles thrice compassed on horseback the sad fire of death and uttered their wail tears fall fast upon earth and armour cries of men and blare of trumpets roll skyward then some fling on the fire latin spoils stripped from the slain helmets and shapely swords bridles and glowing chariot wheels others familiar gifts the very shields and luckless weapons of the dead around are slain and sacrifice oxen many in number and bristly swine and cattle gathered out of all the country are slaughtered over the flames then crowding the shore they gaze on their burning comrades and guard the embers of the pyres and cannot tear themselves away till dewy night wheels on the star-spangled glittering sky 
Therewithal the unhappy Latins far apart build countless pyres and bury many bodies of men in the ground, and many more they lift and bear away to the neighboring country, or send them back to the city. The rest, a vast heap of undistinguishable slaughter, they burn uncounted and unhonored. On all sides the broad fields gleam with the crowded rivalry of fires. The third dawn had rolled away the chill shadow from the sky. Mournfully they piled high the ashes and mingled bones from the embers, and heaped a load of warm earth above them. Now in the dwellings of rich Latinus's city the noise is loudest, and most the long wail. Here mothers and their sons unhappy brides, here beloved sisters sad-hearted, and orphan boys curse the disastrous war and Turnus's bridle, and bid him his own self arm and decide the issue with the sword, since he claims for himself the first rank and the lordship of Italy. Dronches fiercely embitters their cry, and vouches that Turnus alone is called, alone is claimed for battle. Yet therewith many a diverse worded counsel is for Turnus, and the great name of the queen overshadows him, and he rises high in renown of trophies fitly won. Among their stir, and while confusion is fiercest, lo, to crown all, the envoys from the great Diomedes city bring their gloomy message. Nothing is to come of all the toil and labor spent. Gifts and gold and strong entreaties have been of no avail. Latium must seek other arms, or sue for peace to the Trojan king. For heavy grief, King Latinus himself swoons away. The wrath of heaven and the fresh graves before his eyes warn him that Aeneas is borne on by fate's evident will. So he sends imperial summons to his high council, the foremost of his people, and gathers them within his lofty courts. They assemble and stream up the crowded streets to the royal dwelling. Latinus, eldest in years and first in royalty, sits amid them with cheerless brow, and bids the envoys sent back from the Aetolian city tell the news they bring, and demands a full and ordered reply. Then tongues are hushed, and Venulus, obeying his word, thus begins to speak. We have seen, O citizens, Diomede in his Argive camp, and outsped our way and passed all its dangers, and touched the hand whereunder the land of Ilium fell. He was founding a town, named it Agrippa after his ancestral people, on the conquered fields of Iapygian Garganus. After we entered in, and license of open speech was given, we lay forth our gifts. We instruct him of our name and country, who are its invaders, and why we are drawn to Arpi. He heard us, and replied thus with face unstirred. O fortunate races, realm of Saturn, Ausonians of old, how doth fortune vex your quiet and woo you to tempt wars you know not? We that have drawn sword on the fields of Ilium, I forbear to tell the drains of war beneath her high walls, the men sunken in yonder Simois, have all over the world paid to the full our punishment and the reward of guilt. A crew Priam's self might pity, as Minerva's baleful star knows, and as the Euboic reefs and Caiphares's revenge. From that warfaring driven to alien shores, Menelaus, son of Atreus, is in exile far as Proteus's pillars. Ulysses hath seen the Cyclops of Etna. Shall I make mention of the realm of Nepotalmaeus and Idomeneus's household gods overthrown? or of the Locrians who dwell on the Libyan beach? Even the lord of Mycenae, the mighty Achaean's general, sank on his own threshold, edge under his accursed wife's hand, where the adulterer crouched over conquered Asia. I, or that the gods grudged it to me to return to my ancestral altars, to see the bride of my desire, and lovely Caledon. Now likewise sights of appalling presage pursue me. My comrades, lost to me, have soared winging into the sky, and flit birds about the rivers. Ah, me, dread punishment of my people! 
and fill the cliffs with their melancholy cries this it was i had to look for even from the time when i madly assailed celestial limbs with steel and sullied the hand of venus with a wound do not ah do not urge me to such battles neither have i any war with troy since her towers are overthrown nor do i remember with delight the woes of old turn to aeneas with the gifts you bear to me from your ancestral borders we have stood to face his grim weapons and met him hand to hand believe one who hath proved it how mightily he rises over his shield in what a whirlwind he hurls his spear had the land of ida borne two more like him dardanus had marched to attack the towns of inachus and greece were mourning fate's reverse in all our delay before that obstinate trojan city it was hector and aeneas whose hand stayed the grecian victory and bore back its advance to the tenth year both were splendid in courage both eminent in arms aeneas was first in duty let your hands join in treaty as they may but beware that your weapons close not with his thou hast heard most gracious king at once what is the king's answer and what his counsel for our great struggle scarcely thus the envoys when a diverse murmur ran through the troubled lips of the ausonians even as when rocks delay some running river it plashes in the barred pool and the banks murmur nigh to the babbling wave so soon as their minds were quieted and their hurrying lips hushed the king first calling on the gods begins from his lofty throne ere now could i wish o latins we had determined our course of state and it had been better thus not to meet in council at such a time as now with the enemy seated before our walls we wage an ill-timed war fellow-citizens with a divine race invincible unbroken in battle who brook not even when conquered to drop the sword if you had hope in appeal to aetolian arms abandon it though each man's hope is his own you discern how narrow a path it is beyond that you see with your eyes and handle with your hands the total ruin of our fortunes i blame no one what valor's utmost could do is done we have fought with our whole kingdom's strength now i will unfold what i doubtfully advise and purpose and with your attention instruct you of it in brief there is an ancient land of mine bordering the tuscan river stretching far westward beyond sasanian borders arunicans and rutilians sow on it work the stiff hills with the ploughshare and pasture them where they are roughest let all this tract with a pine-clad belt of mountain height pass to the teucrians in friendship let us name fair terms of treaty and invite them as allies to our realm let them settle if they desire it so and found a city but if they have a mind to try other coasts and another people and can abide to leave our soil let us build twice ten ships of italian oak or as many more as they can man timber lies at the water's edge for all let them assign the number and fashion of the vessels and we will supply brass labor dockyards further it is our will that an hundred ambassadors of the highest rank in latium shall go to bear our words and ratify the treaty holding forth in their hands the boughs of peace and carrying for gifts weights of gold and ivory and the chair and striped robe our royal array give counsel openly and succor our exhausted state then drances again he whose jealous ill-will was wrought to anger and stung with bitterness by turnus's fame lavish of wealth and quick of tongue though his hand was cold in war held no empty counsellor and potent in faction his mother's rank ennobled a lineage whose paternal source was obscure rises and with these words heaps and heightens their passion dark to no man and needing no voice of ours o gracious king is that whereon thou takest counsel all confess they know how our nation's fortune sways but their words are choked let him grant freedom of speech and abate his breath 
he by whose disastrous government and perverse way i will speak out though he menace me with arms and death we see so many stars of battle gone down and all our cities sunk in mourning while he confident in flight assails the trojan camp and makes heaven quail before his arms add yet one to those gifts of thine to all the riches thou bidst us send or promise to the dardanians most gracious of kings but one let no man's passion overbear thee from giving thine own daughter to an illustrious son and a worthy marriage and binding this peace by perpetual treaty yet if we are thus terror-stricken heart and soul let us implore him in person in person plead him of his grace to give way to restore king and country their proper right why again and again hurlest thou these unhappy citizens on peril so evident o source and spring of latium's woe in war is no safety peace we all implore of thee o turnus and the one pledge that makes peace inviolable i the first i whom thou picturest thine enemy as i care not if i am see i bow at thy feet pity thine allies relent and retire before thy conqueror enough have we seen of rout and death and desolation over our broad lands or if glory stir thee if such strength kindle in thy breast and if a palace so delight thee for thy dower be bold and advance stout-hearted upon the foe we verily that turnus may have his royal bride must lie scattered on the plains worthless lives a crowd unburied and unwept do thou also if thou hast aught of might if the war-god be in thee as in thy fathers look him in the face who challenges at these words turnus's passion blazed out he utters a groan and breaks forth thus in deep accents copious indeed drawn case and fluent is ever thy speech at the moment war calls for action and when the fathers are summoned thou art there the first but we need no words to fill our senate house safely as thou wingest them while the mounded walls keep off the enemy and the trenches swim not yet with blood thunder on in rhetoric thy wonted way accuse thou me of fear drawn case since thine hand hath heaped so many tucurians in slaughter and thy glorious trophies dot the fields trial is open of what live valor can do nor indeed is our foe far to seek on all sides they surround our walls are we going to meet them why linger will thy bravery ever be in that windy tongue and those timorous feet of thine my conqueror shall any justly flout me as conquered who see tiber swollen fuller with ilian blood and all the house and people of evander lay low and the arcadian stripped of their armor not such did bidius and huge pandarus prove me and the thousand men whom on one day my conquering hand sent down to hell shut as i was in their walls and closed in the enemy's ramparts in war is no safety fool be thy boding on the dardian's head and thine own fortunes go on cease not to throw all into confusion with thy terrors to exalt the strength of a twice vanquished race and abase the arms of latinus before it now the princes of the myrmidons tremble before phrygian arms now tydeus's son and achilles of larissa and alphidus river recoils from the adriatic wave or when the scheming villain pretends to shrink at my abuse and sharpens calumny by terror never shall this hand keep quiet rob thee of such a soul with thee let it abide and dwell in that breast of thine now i return to thee my lord and thy weighty resolves if thou dost repose no further hope in our arms if all hath indeed left us and one repulse been our utter ruin and our fortune is beyond recovery let us plead for peace and stretch forth unarmed hands yet ah had we aught of our wonted manhood his toil beyond all other is blessed 
and his spirit eminent who rather than see it thus hath fallen prone in death and once bitten the ground but if we have yet resources and an army still unbroken and cities and people of italy remain for our aid but if even the trojans have won their glory at great cost of blood they too have their deaths and the storm fell equally on all why do we shamefully faint even on the threshold why does a shudder seize our limbs before the trumpet sound often do the days and the varying change of toiling time restore prosperity often fortune in broken visits makes man her sport and again establishes him the aetolian of arpi will not help us but mesopus will and ptolemonus the fortunate and the captain sent by many a nation nor will fame be scant to follow the flower of latium and the laurentine land camilla the volscian too is with us leading her train of cavalry squadrons splendid in brass but if i only am claimed by the teucrians for combat if that is your pleasure and i am the barrier to the public good victory does not so hate and shun my hands that i should renounce any enterprise for so great a hope i shall meet him in courage did he outmatch great achilles and wear arms like his forged by vulcan hands to you and to my father ladinus i turnus unexcelled in bravery by any of old consecrate my life aeneas calls on him alone let him i implore let not drachines rather appease with his life this wrath of heaven if such it be or win the renown of valor end of section twenty one